God, I'm in a good mood. No, I'm not. I'm in a feisty mood. You are in a good mood. You are in a good mood, good You're mood, singing, good it'll mood. It'll leave something to be desired. Should I, I, I really play your <laughs> voice message back to you so you can listen to it? <laughs> P is for party and A is for all night. R is for right now. Oh, that's for sure. But it was, I, I love the attempt. It was a wonderful voice message. R is for right, not really now because it's been 11 years. I'm Josh Sigmund. And I'm Bryn Rouse. I'm a mortgage guy with a passion for helping people with their money. And all things business, Bryn is my co-host. And I'm a marketing girl. I am literally obsessed with it. Oh, and Josh has showed me how to save money. Quite a bit, actually. Because of her obsession, I hired her to do my marketing. And we've worked together for 10 years. We launched Sigmund Sense in 2020, a podcast about money. It's a podcast that teaches people how to save more, give more, create wealth, and retire early. And we recorded and published 34 episodes. People liked it, and it was so fun. But most importantly, we helped people. So we're excited to announce we're doing a second season. And we're mixing things up. We're moving away from money talks to focus on all things business, leadership, management, team building, book reviews, hiring, firing, operations, motivating teams, lead generation, time management, personality profiling, closing skills, and of course money, and marketing. We are inviting you to continue this journey with us, and we want your input. What topics would you like to see covered? Email all of your ideas to our podcast email address, sigmundsense at gmail.com. And be sure to click that subscribe button when you visit our channels. You'll get notified when we drop new episodes. Are you ready? Season two, getting down to business. Welcome to Sigmund Sense. Cool. You ready? You love it when I say that, don't you? Only when you say it six times. <laughs> but are you ready? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to look more ready. <laughs> Is this your ready look? <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> Welcome back to Sigmund Sense. Ready, okay. We used to start our no, chants no, with ready. No, that was a okay. cheerleader thing. Ready, okay. okay. Let's get this okay. party started. So uh, we left off talking about the mission and vision and marketables and mar your uh, marketing messages. Correct. And, uh, and we're welcome. Supposed to, and welcome back, back to Sigma Sense. <laughs> and what we're going to talk about today uh, is the next piece of the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer from Traction by Gino. And, uh, Wickman. Yeah, Gino Wickman. Yeah. Gino and I go way back. He's, he and I are first I main basis. I call Mr. Wickman. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so one, one area that we had skipped and it's important to, to dive into is the sandbox. And then we want to finish up this episode with talking about three-year visions and how it kind of correlates and how people make mistakes here. Um, and so let's talk about sandbox first, shall we? I think we shall. Okay, cool. <laughs> So it wasn't really debatable. That's what we're going to talk about. Just like you know. <laughs> hey, you don't get 11 years and not understand when you're you not really Josh. asking a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the way, today is our 11th year of working together. So I mean. Proud. Yeah. Thanks for putting up with me. I'm a we're saint. halfway through our second seven-year itch. That's pretty saint. funny. Um, so Sandbox, what is it? So Sandbox is, uh, the easiest way to describe it is where do you play? Like where does your business play? Mm -hmm. uh, why it's important to define where you play is also an easy way to decide where you don't. And I found that a lot of business owners, uh, salespeople, um, organizations as a whole, start to get invited to areas that are outside of their expertise or outside of the region or outside of their product line. And because it's new, exciting, fun, or potentially profitable, the answer mm -hmm. is always yes. When quite often the answer should be no, yeah. because you can't be a specialist at everything. So one thing that you and I agree on 
is uh, a great, in fact, I'm going to give you a pop quiz. Ready? Uh, what should a great menu look like at a great restaurant? Like, <laughs> help me, like, tell me what a great menu should look like. A great menu should, in my opinion, um, be very concise. Um, you know, I think there's nothing better than... I love chalkboard restaurants. I think those are really cool. Like here's the top five things that we're going to serve either today or um, this week. And, you know, with Randy being in the restaurant business back in the day, um, one thing I always found really impressive was the way that he would organize his menu. And it was, I am going to buy this many proteins and I want to see how many ways I can make use of this protein Interesting. and so if you think about that that is like the very definition of a sandbox right like i've got chicken i have pork i have beef as an example i can serve them by themselves i can serve them on a sandwich i can serve them yep. you know so um so you and i agree on this thing then um and i was right in saying it like i hate hate with a passion going to a restaurant that has 15 pages of menus oh my gosh because yes. there's no effing way that they're good at all of them right like, there's no, you know uh a, there's a local chinese slash japanese sushi place that i'm always confused like are you in <laughs> thai actually too they have thai food too <laughs> like is this a thai place is this a right. chinese place is it a sushi japanese I place don't get it. It's you're confusing. not great at all of it so what should i order and i always have to ask ask every waiter like hey like what's your favorite thing on the menu to yes. try and narrow it down but to be clear I agree, you I, asked that Everywhere, every restaurant. Yeah. Well, it, 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 like <laughs> win in Rome, right? But uh, but here's the point of the sandbox. So know what you're good at and do that very well, and refer out everything else. And so and that's where it gets hard. That's where it gets difficult because um, you know most fledgling you know businesses, most fledgling salespeople, uh, they're going to chase every client like it's the only mm -hmm. client, and it uh, it doesn't mean you're giving great customer service to say yes to everything. In fact, I'd argue the exact opposite that quite often when we get out of our sandbox is when we hurt a relationship or, or don't do what's in the best interest of a client, not because we didn't, that we meant to, but we just weren't the expert, right? Right. So, and I think it's not only for the client that you're helping that's outside the sandbox. I yep. think it's for all the people that are inside your sandbox yep. that are getting neglected yep. because of the non-sandbox player client. Yep. So let me, so let's <laughs> give some color to this because I think people need to really understand this. So I'm a one to four family residential lender doing business in Texas. Correct. One to four families. So primary, second home, investment mm -hmm. properties, triplex, quadplex, and nothing else. What I know how to do and I don't do is land loans, construction loans, lot mm -hmm. loans, uh, rehab loans, things like that, right? Now I have great referring partners that will take great care of my clients for those people that need those products. Right. Yeah, HELOCs is another example. So, um, and a HELOC is a home equity line of credit. That's exactly right. So, uh, as a mortgage lender, you know, um, I should know how to do all that stuff, but what I've found, here's a great example. I'm here in South Texas. Ranch land is very, very, very expensive in South Texas, as is most of the country. And so I was asked early on, Hey man, uh, could you help me get financing on my $6 million ranch? And the answer was no. But what did my internal gut say as a business? Oh my Hell gosh, yeah, yes, man, I want to do it. Let me help you. But what you <laughs> just said about where that would hurt people is if I had to stop to relearn and dive in and make sure I didn't miss anything, which I would do because I care about my clients, what I would do and just investigate and, and figure things out, which most of the time in any business, the way you learn is by stepping on landmines. Mm -hmm. What the cost in time would have been would have cost my clients 
in the zone that I'm really good at. So if I'm not, if I'm spending an extra 15, 20 hours working on this one ranch deal, I'm not spending 15 hours working on the, the stuff I'm already excellent at. Right. So the sandbox definition, whether it be, these are the widgets we sell. This is the region we specialize in. This is the language we will sell in Mm -hmm. all those, you know, that's another example here. I'm personally here in South Texas. We're half Hispanic in San Antonio, Mm -hmm. right? Thank God I've got a great couple loan officers at my company that speak Spanish and I don't. Right. So I would love to help out every client, but shoot, I want to make sure you understand what you're buying, what you're financing, what the costs are in your native language, which means I need to refer you to somebody else. And we have, yeah. And we have stepped on that landmine, you know, lots and lots of times, you know, it's like, even with someone that, you know, comes onto our team that speaks like half Spanish, you know, like there's a little bit and we're like, perfect, that'll work. And it just really doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, So defining a sandbox is super important. Yeah. And another example that I think is good to give is, um, so I'm a marketing person. Well, as it turns out, there is numerous, numerous things that can fall under marketing and um, they don't all actually fall under the same sandbox, right? So you've got marketing. So under that, you could do social media. You could have business to business uh, marketing. You could have relationship sales and marketing. You could have graphic design, videography, photography, all of those things, graphic design. If I didn't well, say aren't that. you great at all that stuff? I mean, I am, yes, but that's just really rare, you know, like not everybody could do that. Um, but you know, understanding where your where the lines are, mm-hmm. you know, and when people are like, you know, well, does that mean you can help me design a website? Mm-hmm. No, like I'm not like a technical marketing person, you know, I'm yep. more relationship driven and, um, have visions of what I want things to look like, but no, I'm not an expert in the, this, crea- the creation of it. The creation of it. Correct. Yeah. So um, just another example of, you know, it kind of, it's, yeah. it's everywhere. So here's the beauty of it. Um, so one of the things that I observe with, again, the whole purpose of this series is, you know, you're thinking about or you started a company, like what's the next step? Yeah. What the heck do I do? Now? Um, and I feel like my observation of most every small company, new company, and this could apply towards small sales teams mm-hmm. or mid-sized sales teams. Um, they all, one thing they all have in, ca- in common, if they care, is they work way, 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 way too many hours. Mm. Uh, I see 60, 70, 80 hours or more, yeah. which, uh, I love if you're young and single um, because it's better to, it's kind of like why I want my kids playing sports. Like if they're playing sports, you're not doing other bad shit, 100%. right? But it's the same thing with a salesperson, right? It's yeah. the same thing with a small business. I'd rather you be working on your business than out uh, working with or hanging out with people that are going to wreck your shop because yeah, you know, show spending me all your, the money that you right, exactly right. immediately. So, but that being said, it doesn't mean you're working really smart either. And what it, what the time management tactic that comes from, understanding your sandbox, what that is, is the ability to say no, mm-hmm. which is arguably the most important thing for time management. Uh, and um, I will I will argue till I'm blue in the face that great uh, service comes from clean yeses and clean noes. Yeah. So it's okay to say no uh, or not now. Um, and I don't think people will say those things enough mm-hmm. because it's the whatever, whenever button, which is a great theory when you are a multi-billion dollar company with a thousand employees, right, not right. when you are a small company starting out because you end up chasing your tail, mm-hmm. uh, hurting a relationship, not doing the best interest of a client, 
in some cases, uh, underbidding a project because you didn't, we were, didn't belong in the space in the first place. You just yeah. didn't know what you didn't know and spend all this time, energy, effort, lose sleep and make little or no profit and or cost yourself a long-term relationship. So, well, and the other thing too, from a marketing and branding standpoint that it does is it confuses people. Yeah, it does. Um, and so you can't really define yourself or your brand as what you are when people don't really know. Well, you you and I've had this conversation about other people that have had podcasts that are very confusing. Mm -hmm. Um, just because we do podcasts now. Right. And so I know you do a lot of uh, research into what other people are doing successfully and whether you want to name the the name or not, um, you know, there's a lifestyle brand. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great example. Um, at least in my own head, um, it's a good, it's a good example. Um, you know, I, I fan of Rachel Hollis, um, you know, not as much so now, um, as I was a couple of years ago, but I feel like it's a great example of kind of being all over the board, right? So she started as a lifestyle blogger, which by the way, this is girl, wash your face, which is an excellent book for both men and women. And yeah. I, I'm right it because I, I surround myself with women at my, right? my company. It's an excellent <laughs> book. And so this lifestyle thing is like yeah. something Bryn's really passionate about. Yeah. So she started as, you know, lifestyle blogging and um, which it, which a lot of that comes with crafting and recipes and, um, you know, DIY projects and how to be a great mom and all of these things that are that were wonderful. And then and and was an, a, an author. I mean, a fictional author. Mm-hmm. And her, her books, I've read two of them. Fantastic, right? And then uh, kind of found herself in this uh, self-help space. Um, had Girl, Wash Your Face. Great book. Um, continued she was doing on, some stage presence. St- yeah, uh, started doing some, um, some public speaking. Public speaking. And then, then we're going into clothing. She had a clothing line and a fitness app. And the list kind of went on and on. And so it got a little confusing as to where, where are we? And then you also start to kind of question credentials, right? So what is, what is the credentials? What's the tie together between your lifestyle blogging and telling me how to dress, dress live my life? Uh, they have a, uh, at the time they had a, um, a relationship podcast. Uh, they had a relationship show that was literally telling people how to have a healthy marriage and now they're divorced, you know? And so, you know, you start to question when you, when you're crisscrossing all of that, okay, wait, what's the messaging gets really confusing. It's really confusing. Um, and you know, so I think that's just an example of when well, you start and let's to use an, the, the antithesis. So let's give a good example of staying in the lane. So, um, John Maxwell mm-hmm. is a leadership guy, yeah. leadership books, leadership Bibles, leadership yes. devotionals, leadership speeches, leadership, leadership, leadership. Yes. Like, uh, I'm very clear where I need to go to read or listen to if I'm working on my leadership. Right. Um, you know, you think of like, uh, uh, you know, there's a couple now Navy SEALs that, have come out like a Jocko Willink, uh, Willink or a, um, oh, what's that ultramarathon guy? Um, no, he's, uh, hold on a second. Guy. He's uh, about, literally, he's the best, one of the best ultramarathon guys of all time. I can picture his face. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He I is a, you, I don't know oh, come on. Uh, it's all about pain. There's no limit to pain. Hold on a second. Oh, um, 
Hold on. <laughs> Pay attention, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's it's going to be in my library for sure. Well, yeah. Uh, what's his can't, name? Can't Hurt Me? Yes. Yeah, Can't Hurt Me. Um. <laughs> well, I'm impressed you got the name. That's correct. <laughs> That's the name of the book. Can't Hurt Me by... Uh, David Goggins. David Goggins. That, that she was is reaching. That was very deep. Sorry for the technical <laughs> delay in my brain. Um, but his name is David Goggins. So uh, I didn't know he's from Nashville. Uh, he runs. Well, he li- he has a house there because he runs by our office in Nashville all the time. It's pretty cool. Um, and, 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 and literally the guy <laughs> runs by when it's freaking snowing outside shirtless and shorts and because he wants to oh, yeah. be in more pain than just running for freaking ever. I did yoga um, with a girl yesterday that was in the mountains and it was negative 10 degrees. Yeah, basics. <laughs> so here's the point, right? So like a, a Jocko Wheeling, a, uh, a David Goggins, um, they were seals. So going back to credibility, credentials, staying in your lane, what's your sandbox? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to teach me about how to overcome adversity, you want to teach me about how to be mentally tough, uh, about, teach me about how to physically push myself past what I think my limits are, yeah. I would argue that those two guys are pretty good people mm-hmm. to listen to, right? Yeah. Um, now, when you read the book, Can't Hurt Me, um, as an example, David Goggins is very clear how many marriages he's been through. Mm-hmm. because the cost of that passion, the cost of, you know, going after these, these crazy goals, yeah. um, came at a, a cost of a relationships. Cost. Right. So I love the transparency, by the way, very too. transparent. I love that transparency yeah. because I also think that is another, it's almost a redefinition of a sandbox. Well, like. I love you said that. So <laughs> being real and sharing pain, uh, if you start paying closer attention to who you're listening to in podcasts on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever else, uh, in the reels, when you start really thinking about if they only look like they're perfect every time, guaranteed they're not. Yeah. If all they show you is why they're, uh, I'm a millionaire because I do A, B, C, D, and E, F, and G, and I, and I've never made a mistake ever. And all they show are the wins and they never talk about the losses. Yeah. They're not real. Right. So Uh, I think that's one of my most favorite things about Gary Vee. Yeah. And I uh, was just listening to a YouTube video of his and I loved this. He said um, he was giving advice to a younger person mm-hmm. that wanted to establish a voice on social media or, or wherever. He wanted a platform um, and that he was really worried that he could not gain or he didn't have enough credibility for people to listen. And the way that Gary Vee put it was, look, people love they're much more receptive to people saying, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. And if my past experience has taught me anything, this is what I project is going to happen or be the result. Then they can follow along with you through the journey rather than this is how you do it. This is what I did 20 years ago. I thought that was... I just, I absolutely loved that. And I thought it was great advice for, for especially this person that he was talking to and giving advice to, but that's great advice for anybody because I do think people struggle big time with that's a, that's a holdup for people that do have something that they want to share. It's like, well, why me? Why would they trust me? I don't have enough, you know, credibility 
all of those things that creep in and then it delays. But yeah, so so all this to be said, we want to wrap up this piece. You know, whether you're talking socially, whether you're, you know, you've got a service industry, a, a widget that you sell, mm-hmm. a restaurant that you own, or all the above. Um, what we're trying to make sure, as far as homework is concerned, to wrap up this thought process, decide who you are and what you're not. And the more clarity you get around those two, the better you're going to be at what you choose to do. Mm-hmm. And the result will be fewer hours uh, wasted. It'll be better customer service. It'll be, you won't wrestle with a no. Like it's when it's yeah. in the sandbox, the answer is yes, I'm an expert. When it's, when it's the answer is no, it takes five seconds to say, no, I appreciate the opportunity, but the best person for you is blank. The best company for you is blank. The best resource for you is blank. Yeah. And that's the thought. That's the homework for everybody. Yeah. And I think one last thing I want to add too is that um, my brother told me this a long, long, long time ago. Um, and I think it's a good analogy for what we're talking about um, to some degree. He said, Bryn, don't lie. Yep. If you don't lie, then you never have to remember what you said. That's right. And I'm like, oh, that's just so free. Was that last year? That was, yeah, so that, that was on my 37th birthday, which was a couple weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so, but I think the, the point being, like, if you are 100% authentically true to what you do and how you do it. And what you don't. And what you don't, then what an easy, um, not easy, that's the wrong word, but um, that, that emotional wrestle that you might go through Mm -hmm. that kind of removes itself because you're always following in the same path and in the same rhythm and beating to the same drum, That's right. which, you know, can be appreciated by so many around. (laughs) Well, let's finish up the first page of the VTO. And so, um, I want to talk a little bit about the three-year vision, which turns into the 10 year and, and goes backwards to the one year, which is your goals, your annual goals, mm-hmm. your three-year goals, your 10-year goals. Uh, some people call the 10-year the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal, like this is what I want. Uh, three years, and, and this is where I see disconnects, and so I want to spend a little bit of time here um, because hopefully now that you've decided what your mission, your vision, your marketing strategy is, your sandbox mm-hmm. is, what your culture is, um, now it's really like, where the hell are we going? Yeah. Because uh, vision without a plan is as worthless as a plan without execution. So this first big page of the VTO is all about the vision side. The second page is more about the plan side. And then you got to do the damn work. Yeah. Um, where the disconnects typically come in is, uh, I'll just list off a few that I see regularly when I coach people on this. Number one is on the 10-year vision, people don't dream big enough soon enough. Right? Um it is normal to handicap yourself on how big or how far your company can go simply because you've never done anything close to that. Yeah. And so uh, it's easier to show people that are uh, in business for three or five years. All you got to do is map out what the gross revenue was year one, year two, year three, year four, and create percentages of growth. And what most people will find is that, you know, uh, while a Fortune 500 company might grow three to 5%, well, in early stages of business, you might grow 200, 1,000, 10,000 percent. Yeah. Uh, because going from 100 bucks to 1,000 bucks is right. a big jump. Going from 1,000 bucks to 2,000, not so big mm-hmm. as a percentage, right? Yeah. So the, the, the issue with the 10 years begins with um, whatever you think is impossible, like go ahead and add to it. If your vision's not big enough that it scares you, it's probably not big enough at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not something that excites you, you're probably not going to run through walls to get there. 
So those are kind of the two litmus tests around it. And of course, the third piece is, are your, is your team or company excited about that same vision or are you leading everybody the wrong direction, right? So once that 10 years kind of established, which is more of a, uh, a, sp- a specific, measurable, uh, tasty goal, I guess. And why, why I'm, I use that, that word is the more vivid that vision is, like we've right. spoken about in previous episodes, the more likely you are to achieve it. Mm-hmm. So saying, I want to do 10 million in sales means nothing. Right. But if you understand that 10 million in sales means that you can have a hundred employees, which means you can give away a million dollars a year in, in uh, charity and mm-hmm. a B in CDF and G then you're like, well, shit, that's freaking exciting. That's like I've got a team exciting, of two yeah. and I want to have a team of a hundred and we're going to serve this many clients and next and next and next. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the tenure. Now the three year has to be a little bit more thought out, but it's got to, in theory, if I were reading it like a book and I didn't know you and I didn't know what your business was, if I read your three-year vision and I read your 10-year vision, then the two should correlate, right? right? Like for easy numbers, if your goal was to sell 1,000 widgets in 10 years, then in theory, you should sell about 300 widgets in three years. Right, like if we're starting from zero, and the one year might be a hundred widgets, then three year might be three hundred widgets, and the ten year should be about a thousand widgets. Yeah, it should kind of correlate. Now, I don't think it needs to be linear, so you can actually have an exponential growth because as you grow with more people, more can be done. More can be Once done. Once you create that factory, you can pump out more widgets. Right, you have to create and the factory as you, first. Yeah, and the more and you learn, the more you tweak, yeah. and the efficiency factor comes right. in. So as long as it's explained, like why would I think that you're going to go from a hundred to a thousand in one year? Right. With the same skill set, knowledge, team size, and like, are you just going to work like 80 hours a day? Because that sounds impossible. What I love, um, that example that you just gave just reminds me of the show Shark Tank. Like, the questions they ask. Oh, yeah. Very smart. You know, by the way, if you're thinking about opening a business, watch that movie, watch that TV show. I mean, it is, it really is so educational Mm -hmm. about the way to think about, and you do have people that come in and can't explain why the growth. Yeah, you've sold 3,000 candy bars in three years. <laughs> Why are you going to sell 30,000 next year? Right. Well, like, because I, yeah, because I'm, because, because I'm, I'm on, on Shark Tank. Because I'm on Shark Tank. Duh. Why am I here? Um, no, I, I love that. That's a good point. Um, but so the, the finishing the thoughts in the three years. So you have to expand the explanations of the metrics, the what should have been achieved by this point, but it's got to correlate with where you're going in 10 years, right? So meaning... Uh, if you have measurement points of revenue, of units, of volume, of team size, of overhead, of cost goods sold, of like, what are those things? Where should you be roughly? In, maybe by the third year, I'm going to hire a manager and I don't have a manager yet. Or yeah. maybe in three years, I'm going to hire a CEO because the, t- the company should be big enough that it's above my, like I'm a great visionary and I created this cool widget, yeah. but the ability to run a business is beyond my abilities, right? So maybe I, and by year three, I need to hire a CEO, which would make sense based on certain other it. things, right? Yeah. So that, that story should be easy for others to understand. And that's what you have to remember is when you're writing this business plan, this VTO, using the VTO, uh, it's not just for you. And so your shorthand or your lack of explanation or details or metrics is a shortcoming for getting other people to understand what we're trying to do how we're going to get there, mm-hmm. why we're doing it, and what's in it for them. Right. And so if people can buy into, well, like here's a common thing I see with uh, employers and employees, right? Um, I, 
I really, truly believe that a lot of employees think that hiring additional employees is a zero-sum game, meaning that if I hire this, if my boss hires this person, then I can't make as much. If oh, my, okay. okay. Or if, uh, if, you know, like, why would we want to hire five more people? Like, I'm bonus per file or whatever. Like, how's right. this going to affect me, right? Yeah. As opposed to understanding, like... Uh, one of our goals this year is to make sure everyone works fewer than 40 hours a week. Right. By hiring another person, it's to help everyone work everyone, less. Right. Not take away your money, right? Right. But th- taking it the step further so because most visionaries and company owners and leaders just assume, assume. that you get why we would want to do this. Right, But right. filling the gaps of in writing what's in it for you and how do we measure it and why this is important and how we do it, mm-hmm. that's what needs to be done in the three-year vision in a good, in a good way. A lot of times... Um, what I have seen is that there's a um, almost a lack of willingness to train people oh, yeah. to come up. Poor so leadership. if I am a manager or or whatever, I'm the best. I'm the best widget maker. I don't want to tell anybody else on my team how to become the best widget maker because where does that leave me? Yeah, then you're not valuable anymore, right? You're not valuable anymore. And it's like, no, you really need somebody else to take your spot. For you to move up. So you can move up and on. You're not going to be kicked off. Like you're going to be rewarded for duplicating yourself, which is huge. That's my definition of mastery is, is when you can replicate yourself through others. uh, If you can pass on your skill set, that's mastery of of something. Like I always... Uh, say you got to learn it first, then you got to do it second, then you got to teach it third. And then when you can teach it effectively, learn it, do it, teach, teach it. it. Yep. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a, don't, like don't leave any room for error here as far as explaining like why we would want to do this. Uh, one of the things I wrote down in our BHAG years ago, I don't know if you remember this, um, but it's something that was really important to me, is I wrote down uh, as an individual team we wanted in ten years to do two hundred fifty million dollars in volume. As long as it was still fun. Still fun, yeah. Like literally, I had that in there as, as long as it's fun. Because yeah. as an example, when we had a smaller team, it's like, that sounds like a lot of work. That's a lot Right? So what's in it for me for man, boss yeah. man to do this much business is, shit, I get to work more. Mm-hmm. No. As long as it's still fun was a real right. key, key piece of that mission because, you know, if we find that 150 uh, in personal volume as a team is something that everyone makes what they want. They all feel like they're getting right. uh, a good opportunity. Um, the business is profitable because that's got to be important. Mm-hmm. And we have fun doing it in 40 hours a week. Like that sounds like a great business to me. That sounds like a great, business. Like a great business. Yeah. Um, you know, and one thing that I think is important and we've, you know, I, I know I've said it before is um, setting your own goals and competing against yourself yep. is, is a really great place to operate from. Yeah. Um, you know, so be, so it's almost like that's why setting goals is important if, if not for all the other reasons, but it's, doesn't have to be to be number one. It doesn't have to be, um, to be at the top of, of the hill, no, in any organization, mm. but identify what it is you mm-hmm. want yep. and what your team wants we're a small company. Yeah. And remove the rest. And I mean, that could stretch across, you know, where do you want your family life to be? Where do you want, where do you want to be as a parent? Like, where does that stand? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and really remove 
the comparison, right? Yep. The comparing. Comparison's the thief of joy. I totally yes, agree with that. For sure. So, you know, compete against yourself um to hit your own goals. Now that being said, here's my production uh my uh uh production coaching at work right here. Um there's a very fine line between being complacent for sure and saying you're yeah. content. Very yes. it's a very fine line. Yes. So I do believe that your business is growing or dying. You've got to be going towards something always. Mm -hmm. And I actually do believe competition is excellent as long as you don't take the emotional toll. toll. Like uh, I want to win because why the hell wouldn't I want to play to win? Yeah. So I don't believe in like participation trophies and crap like that in sports. So right. whoever's listening, if I offend you, I don't give a shit. I think it's wrong. Um, <laughs> no, the, and it's a, the, it's a problem. It's, it's a problem. It, it is a problem. Yeah. It is a problem. Yeah. So yeah, I look directly in the camera. So if I'm talking to you, get over it. Um, my point in saying this for everyone's benefit though, is that uh, think about who's following you, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's gotta be a point where you're working for them and for others because a business owner typically will hit whatever their financial objectives are well before anyone else on the team. They're the business owner, they took the right. risks, they're gonna get the fa right. fastest financial reward typically, not always, but typically. And, uh, and the reason I say asterisk not always is in some cases, a salesperson in an organization actually makes more than the business owner um, just because they bring in this the revenue. Would, this it's would really kind of be like um, a server um, being asked to be a manager at oh, a yeah. restaurant. Like, screw that. Like, I can make more <laughs> serving tables than I don't want to run all these crazy people. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Right. Um, so, so just that, that complacency thing is, is a really scary place for a business. So if you're a three or five year and you're like, oh yeah, I really like where I'm at. Um, there's a lot of people that I coach that start off not wanting to give goals, which so is a many. big fucking problem. Yeah. Like you, what are you going for? What, like, why would I follow you if your plan is, we'll see how it works out. Let's just like, see what happens. Like, I don't want to put things down in writing because it stresses me out. Well, fuck yeah. man, like get over Do it. Do you think it comes from lack of clarity or don't know what to do number one number two is that they're afraid of not hitting their goals and their right, emotional that damage a, that that might be is number two such a fear behind not yeah. hitting number it. three is uh, fear of being held accountable to anything or anybody um because uh which is a leadership issue in my opinion more than yeah. anything else um what else why else would they not want to do goals because they failed every other time and they're tired of being beat up beat up on it uh because they literally think that uh, that not winning makes me a loser, which is not the case. Yeah. Like you can win, you can hit your goals, you could lose, you could miss your goals. It does not make you a winner. It does not make you a loser. So making that a personification issue yeah, is a problem. That's interesting too. Yeah. Um, it's a, I look at every goal as an inning in baseball. Yeah. Right. Like you win innings, you lose innings. Yeah. I want to win more than I lose. If I just win more than I lose, I will win the game. So I also think that everybody kind of internalizes it differently. Like, you know, you could, uh, anybody could ask you what the numbers are and you could spit them off. Like, you know, at any moment in time, um, I come from more of a, I know what I have to do every day. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I, because I'm clear, first of all, because I'm clear about what it takes to get the job done. If I do those things every day, then it adds up to hitting the goal or coming pretty damn close to hitting the goal. And so I, I think it's, 
a, a different way to look at it um, a little bit because I don't think numbers all day long. Yep. I think activity. Yep. Mine is more based around activity. Mine's more based around keeping my calendar full with the right things, um, doing the things that's, that are on my calendar. Yep. And so rather than having to think so numbers driven, I can think in, was my activity on point today? Right. So for people that are listening, be clear though, like the activity is a specific Sp- number of activities. Yeah that are in alignment based on past experience yes. with a result. Yes. So yes. that's the chop wood, carry water concept yes. of focus on the day, not the outcome. Yeah. The day's results will come or the day's activities will result in the win late down the road. But the purpose is not the win. It, the, the win is the day. Is the day. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of, I, I don't know. I always like to just shed a different light on it just in mm-hmm. case it, maybe it resonates differently yep. with somebody um, but like I can, you know, I just remember my parents always saying like, you just, you know, you, you know what you have to do today. Yep. Like go do your job today. Like, yep. And so, if and then also, uh, have that written down up front. Hopefully someone holds you accountable or yeah, at least it's in absolutely. a place you can see it. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I want to get the date right. I think it's January 21st, 22nd, January 22nd. Do you remember what's important about January 22nd? Isn't that when most people have like pissed off their goals like less than one percent of people <laughs> yes. have actually kept up with their new year's resolution and can yeah. remember it by that date yeah it's because it's not front and center yeah so i'm finishing i want to finish up this episode right now because uh, we have to uh, i'd like to we'd like to teach the second page of the vto yeah. in the next episode but what i want you to hear in the clarity of, of this conversation is two things number one is the sandbox is your friend the more clarity you've got around what you're good at and what you're not good at where you're going to play and where you're not We'll help you with time. We'll make, help you with your expertise. We'll help you with your relationships, right? Then you got to go into the three and 10 year vision. If you're not driving the bus, no one's going to follow you. Mm-hmm. No one wants to get in the bus with no driver. It's just the truth. Right. Think bigger sooner, <laughs> yeah. but be specific about who, what, when, where, why, and how we're going to achieve those goals. Um, because what I've always found is that 10 year visions are done in five years. If you have a great 10, three, and one. I the tenure it. gets done in five. So love I hope it. that was helpful. This is a fun episode for it me. It was fun. So what is next? So next time we're going to talk about... Now we're going to get to the last bit of the plan. So remember, the vision is the first play page, which is, a, which is worthless without a plan and execution. The plan is the uh, one-year vision. So what are we going to do this year? This the quarterly year. objectives, which the we call quarterly. the big rocks, yes. and then how to organize your dream to-do list along with your issues list in yep. one place and then how to attack that oh so that gosh, you can move on. It's just going to be so much fun. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she needs another drink. <laughs> but I hope this was helpful for you. Thank you for joining Sigmund Sense. You can find us and like us and subscribe us, and you can uh, email us if yes. there's a lot of the things we're talking about or what have been specifically asked of us already. So if you have something you'd like us to cover, please let us know. Please let us know. Find us on all the sites and email us at sigmundsense at gmail.com, and we will see you next time. Take care, guys.